his fruit in us and his fruit will lead us to what? Being faithful as we just simply every day, every step of the way, continue to focus on Christ and simply be stewards of these mysteries of God. That's what we teach in discipleship. That's teaching them to observe the things that I've commanded you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On today's episode, we're going to discuss stewardship and discipleship. Welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about discipleship and stewardship. And so we wanted to kind of delve into what stewardship is. Um, and so stewardship is more than just money. We're not just going to be talking about money today. We may touch on that a little bit, um, but we may not at all because that's not really what stewardship is about. So we're going to be talking about stewardship and how it applies to uh, discipleship and the discipleship model. And I am joined, as always, by Pastor Brian Stewart today. Good day. And we're looking forward to really jumping in and uh, seeing what the Lord has for us today. So uh, Pastor Stewart, if if you want to go ahead and take charge and sure. take us all the way back to the beginning of the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter number one. Yes, I'd like to read. I, most people probably could even quote, but I'd like to read it just so we have the opportunity to find out exactly every word that God says. But I'd like us to start in the beginning because when we talk about stewardship, it's usually a lot bigger as Simeon, you just alluded to, it's a lot bigger subject than just finances. In fact, it includes finances, but finances are really a very small part of it. And so I'd like us to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And so we need to establish and understand, and, and again, we find out in Hebrews that these, these truths have to be accepted by faith. Uh, we have to, by faith, accept the fact that God created the heavens and the earth, that he is the one that formed it all. And so when we accept that fact by faith, because obviously none of us were there in the beginning, and here God is basically giving us testimony that he was, and he tells us in chapter 1 and chapter 2 how he created everything. And so notice that everything was created by him. And so in the beginning, God, he existed, he created, and what did he create? The heaven and the earth. He created these two realms, these two kingdoms, and as he created these two kingdoms, he now has the responsibility of ownership of them. Anybody that creates something is the owner of it unless there has been some contract that null and voids the creator's ownership of something. But here, there is no such thing. And so we see that God is the creator. In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 16, uh, we find that the word says this, uh, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. 
And so here in the New Testament, we just have a reinforcement of that same concept that we find in Genesis chapter number one. Um, by the way, if you are, if you hear or are having trouble with the idea of uh, the first couple of chapters of Genesis being allegorical, uh, you're going to have a hard time with passages like this, where it specifically says that they were created by him and for him. So um, that's just a side note there. But the, re- the New Testament does reinforce the creation account here and that all things were created not only where they were created by him. He didn't just start that watch and then set it down and allow time to tick on. Um, They were actually created by him and for him, and every part of it is his and for him. We continue looking at it. We can look at uh, the psalmist, David. He uh, Actually, this psalm is not of David. It's of Aspie. But uh, the psalmist here, uh, Psalms 50, verse 1, and this this entire psalm is pointing us to uh, God as the Lord. And so he starts out in verse 1, The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. And he goes on down and he talks to his people Israel. Uh, We see in verse 7, Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. And so as he's talking to his people, the Israelites here in the Old Testament, he is about to tell them some things that is really kind of interesting. Notice verse 8, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. Verse 10, for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Verse 11, I know all the fowls of the mountain and the wild beast of the field, they are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. What is God teaching us here? First of all, in the very first verse, he identifies God as the mighty God. And he then says, even the Lord. And if you are Lord of something, you have ownership, you have uh Total management, control. total control of whatever it is you want to do with that. And that, and here he is talking to his children in Israel, the people of Israel, and saying, if I'm hungry, I'm not going to look for your sacrifice. I don't need your sacrifice, basically, is what he's saying. Now, did he demand it? Yes, for Israel's sake, for human sake, we need the sacrifice. But God doesn't need the sacrifice. He says, if I'm hungry... I'm not going to tell you. The world is mine and the fullness thereof. And everything that is in the world belongs to him. And everything is his. I mean, we could look at passage after passage. Uh, I have just five of them written down here that says basically the same thing. In, in, chapter, in Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He says that time and time again. Yeah, and it, I think you know if we can do a decent job of establishing the fact that um, that everything is God's. But if you look at Exodus chapter nineteen, he uses that as a way to tell them what they need to do about it. In Exodus chapter nineteen, verse five, it says, "Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my commandment, then ye shall be a, a, a peculiar treasure unto me above all people." And the reason is, for the earth is mine. And basically the idea is this, God gave every man free will. He gave us the option to choose to obey him or not to obey him. 
And he's saying, listen, if you'll obey me, if you will do what I ask, I will make sure that you're taken care of. And I have the ability to do so because all the earth is mine anyway. And so simply trusting that his word is right, that he is right, that what we need to do is what he says and putting our life in his hands in that way, he's saying, okay, do this because I'm the one that supplies all your need anyway, and I'm going to take care of it. And I think it's interesting that he hinges his commands and us keeping his commands because all the earth is his. And there's nothing that we can accumulate. There's nothing that we can gain. That isn't something that he already created or uh, is already in possession of in the first place. So we ought to just serve him because he's the one that's got all the stuff that we might be going after uh, anyway. In Deuteronomy 10, 14, he also basically establishes that not only is it just the earth that's his and everything in the fullness thereof, but in Exodus, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 10, 14, he says this, Behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also, and all that therein is. So everything in the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. It'd be an interesting study, but we could take you through and show you that there are really three heavens. And he's saying that all three of them are mine. They belong to me as the Lord thy God. And then he says, oh, by the way, the earth also. Mm-hmm. And he says, and all that is therein, in the heavens and that is in the earth. We are still just trying to discover this universe and its vastness and what is uh, on different planets. We haven't even been able to explore all of those planets, but all of those planets belong to who? They, they belong, belong to the to Lord. The Lord. Yeah. And so again, he is Lord. And that word Lord is not just a religious word that we throw around. It means owner of all, master of all. He is Lord. He is the one who determines what happens anywhere and everywhere within those uh, spheres as well. And so, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, he says this, For the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof kind of sounds like the Psalms, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So it doesn't matter whether we're Old Testament or New Testament. God is consistent, and he tells us time and time again as human beings, who is a part of creation, that God is Lord. He is the mighty God that created all, and that he is the Lord of all as well. Yeah, and if I read one passage here, um, and then we can use it really kind of to segue into the rest of what we want to talk about. But First Chronicles 29 and verse number 9, it says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine, and thine, uh, thine is the kingdom, O Lord. And then it has this, and thou art exalted as head above all. And so the question of stewardship is this, who owns the stuff? Who owns what's mine? Who owns what's in my house, what's in my wallet, what's in everything else? Um, The Lord does. He's head above all. And if he's head above all, he's head above me. And that means that there are certain things that are in my possession um, that are, of course, not mine. They're the Lord's. But now we are getting to the idea of, yes, the Lord owns everything, but he gives you the opportunity to be a steward of some of the things that he owns. And so in my house, I have a wife, I have three children that are not mine. I am a steward of them. 
Um, I'm supposed to do certain things with, uh, with them and for them because I am a steward of them. Um, as the, as the man of the house here, I have certain responsibilities. My wife has certain responsibilities to be a steward in our home. All of these things that we have possessions wise and everything that we have as far as time is concerned, um, it all belongs to him and he is head above all. And if he's head above all, um, that's where we start getting into what is stewardship and how does it apply to me as a disciple of Christ? We can look at two passages. Let's first look at 1 Peter 4.10. In 1 Peter 4.10, he is talking to us as believers here. He says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. And so he's talking to every believer here, and he's saying you've received the gift, the gift of of the gospel, the gift of the responsibility of the Great Commission, and I am to minister the same. I'm not to change it. I'm to take that which I've taught. kind of sounds like uh, 2 Timothy 2.2, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like what Jesus says, that we're to teach them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. Right. He's talking about the same things that, that God has given to me, that I am to disciple another. And notice how he ends, uh, continues this verse. He says, the same one to another as what? Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The manifold, a manifold is simply a distribution center. It doesn't control in any way what comes in or what comes out. All it is is to be a distribution center. And so the manifold grace of God is that I am to receive the grace of God and I am to put it out in the same fashion that I received it. And as a steward, uh, this is stewardship. And so as a believer, as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I am to be a steward, a good steward of those things that he has entrusted to me. We can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 as well. Here, Paul is, is uh, making the argument, for lack of better terms, as his ministry, and he says uh, in verse 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? In other words, you don't need to be puffed up, he says in the verse before. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? And his point is this. What of, what of my life, what of your life, uh, listeners, what is... What if any of us is a part of the human race? What is there that we have that we did not receive? I mean, if you want to go to the basis thing, the very fact that I have life, that life was what? Given to me. I did not create it. Right. I did not originate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very fact that I exist, it had, I had no control over that. Everything that I am and everything that I have, I have received. I have not created one thing in my entire life, and nor has any other human being created anything that they have. We have taken things that exist and refashioned them, but we have not created anything out of nothing. And so Paul's argument here is what? Recognize the fact that you have received this. Notice in 1 Peter 4.10, as every man hath received the gift. 
Again, this stewardship is really a gift, but everything that I have and everything that I am is a gift that God has given to me. I have not created it. I did not originate it. It all originated with him. And I am simply, as his follower, as his disciple, I am entrusted with certain things that I am to steward for his honor and for his glory, mm-hmm. according to the manifold grace that God has extended to me. Yeah, and, you know, we can we can go all throughout Scripture, because really the vast majority of the New Testament deals with this topic in one form or another um, about stewarding the time that God's given us. Um, you know, we were talking before the podcast about it, and, you know, even when, when, when Peter and John were brought before the— Pharisees and the Pharisees asked them, hey, you know, or they told them, look, you can't preach anymore. And they said, quite simply, we cannot but speak the, this, uh, the preach and teach the things that, w- that we're talking about here because we don't have a choice. They were given to us and now we have to. And then you mentioned Second Timothy 2 2 earlier, um, mm-hmm. and where Paul writes to Timothy saying, hey, listen, you know, all those things that I taught you, you're now responsible for them to teach to other people. And so this idea of stewardship, it goes far beyond far beyond uh, just your wallet. Really, it enters into the realm of uh, your actions. It enters into your time. It enters into your relationships with people. You are a steward of all of those things, and I'm a steward of all of those things. And when it comes down to it, you know, um, God puts relationships in our lives. How often have you thought about your relationships that you have with people as being stewardship opportunities for you? That's a good you point. Know, and that, that's kind of hard for us to think about. But we've got children, and if you have been in church for a while, you've heard somebody tell you that the children that you have, you are a steward of. And that is true. And that's a relationship that you have with another person, and you're a steward of that relationship. You're also a steward of your friends. You know, one of the requirements um, of a, a pastor or a bishop is that they, he be given to hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I don't think that that was something that was given lightly. You know why? He was a he was a steward of the people that he had in his home, and that he ought to be having people into his home to be hospitable. Um, speaking of, in Titus chapter one, if we go to Titus chapter number one, we can look at um, verse seven is actually where the qualifications for a bishop are found in this particular um, in this passage. It says, "For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God." not self-willed, not soon angry, not, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. talks about a lot of stuff, uh, lover of hospitality, lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. And we've gone through this passage before. Um, but then it has that phrase, holding the fast, the faithful word as he hath been taught. And so, you know, whether you're a pastor or not, the same idea applies. If you have some word that you've been taught, you're responsible to be a good steward of that and to teach that to other people. And part of that is maintaining and being a good steward of the relationships that you have so that you have opportunities then to share God's word with other people. I, I like this passage and, and the part where we bring this up uh, in relationship to the pastor. I want to remember that the pastor is to be an example to the believers. So not this is not a standard that the believers are not to live up to as well. This is for all believers but certainly those who are going to be the leaders or called to lead uh, God's sheep. But notice in verse 7, he says, "What he as, as a steward of God, that's, that's the method by which he is to do it. But notice he goes on, and the first thing he identifies is that we're not to be self-willed. A steward does not accomplish 
his or her will in the stewardship. They are to accomplish the will of the one who is the Lord, the right. will of the one who is the owner. The, they just manage it for the owner. Uh, and so then he goes on to say, not soon angry, not given to wine, not a striker, and all of the things that you just read. And the neat thing is that in Hebrews chapter 6, God says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work. Mm-hmm. And He's he goes on to say, and, and, and just basically is enumerating, that when we steward according to God's plan, according to his will, which uh, I think we've made the point in previous episodes, that God's method is that we do it through discipleship, that this is one person sharing with the other person the same things that you've been taught so that they can be taught. That's that stewardship. So discipleship really is a stewardship of these manifold grace that God has given us. Mm-hmm. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, um, we find at the very end of the chapter, he talks about a lot of stuff that are lawful. He says some things are lawful to me, some things aren't in this chapter. And um, basically the idea is, you know, even if something isn't lawful, to be a good steward, again, of those relationships that you have with other people, you may have to give up some things. Um, But at the very end of this, he says, why? What's the purpose um, of doing all of that? What's the purpose of making sure that we are uh, being all things to all men to try to have an influence on people? In verse number 20, he says, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. So, you know, we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ owns us. And it is our job as stewards of what he owns to make sure that we are bringing glory to him. And that is essentially, at the end of the day, that's what God has always been after from mankind. And so here we are, uh, still here, thousands of years later, post-creation, and God still wants the same thing from us. He wants us to bring glory to him. And he's given us an opportunity to steward in our own bodies and gives us the opportunity to do just that, to bring glory to him. It's a good point. And in the next chapter, he goes on to say, and he says the same thing. You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. And so he reminds us that we can't be our own servant in a stewardship And and, uh, the Titus passage, he says, not self-willed. So it's not accomplishing my own will. But he also tells me here that I'm not to be the servant of men either. So I'm not to accomplish the desire or the will of humans. I am here as a steward of this life, as you pointed out, of the resources that I have, the relationships that I have, the opportunities and the time that I have, this stewardship of my life is to be uh, according to the will of God. It's according to what he desires because that simple term, he is Lord. And when you're Lord, you get to set the terms. Yeah. And you can take this too far. You can make it into a masochistic kind of kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if you do that, then you're ignoring other passages of Scripture. And one of those being First Timothy chapter number 6 and verse 17, where it says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So the things that we do have and that we have stewardship over, we are to enjoy those things, you know. We're not, Amen. we're not, um, we're not, you can take this idea of a stewardship of life and you can turn it upside down on its head and the devil would love for you to do that um, and make it into a torturous thing where you can't enjoy anything because it's not yours to enjoy, it's God's. 
Um, that's not what it, that's not what it means. But God gave us certain things in our life that are comforts that we enjoy, and those are good things. Um, and and when we're stewarding those things properly, they become an enjoyment both to us and a glorification to the Lord. And so uh, it does not mean that we're supposed to be miserable all the time because we can't enjoy anything. But what it does mean is that those things that we have, they are meant for our enjoyment, and they're also meant to bring glory to God. And when you bring glory to God, um, you'll find in in doing so that you really enjoy it. <laughs> If we're honest with ourselves, though, how many of us really have a problem with going too far in that direction with being masochistic? <laughs> uh, most of us have a problem with our self-will, uh, doing it our way and wanting it our way, as the yeah. uh, as the uh, old crooner uh, once sang a song, I did it my way. Uh, you know, that's what most of us humans are struggling with. Now, I appreciate the fact that you did help us uh, remember the balance that we can't go too far in the other direction either. Yeah, there's my there's uh, my pastor tells a story frequently about um a lady that used to come and she would come to the altar almost every service and she was dealing with the same thing over and over and over again and he called it morbid introspection. Mm. And the idea was that she was so introspective, constantly looking into herself and all she could find was sinfulness because that's what we are. Um, But she had gotten so focused on that end, uh, uh, trying to perfect herself, trying to, um, you know, work that morbidly so to where she was actually being a detriment to the the work of the Lord in her life. And I think if you you can take a truth like this, um, that we're stewards of all things and you can take it too far and it becomes a, a, a morbid version of what it was meant to be. And that's a shame when somebody does that. Uh, let's transition to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 again. We're back in, but we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 at this point. We see here that Paul is writing to the Corinthians here in this first letter. And he says, let a man so account of us also as of the ministers of God and what are ministers? They are stewards of the mysteries of God. Mm. And again, Paul is writing here of us, and that's him and the others that are traveling with him in ministry. But ultimately, God's plan is that every believer be a minister of Christ. And so every believer is to be a steward of the mysteries of God. And notice what he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And so what is the ultimate requirement of a steward is that they are faithful to the Lord. They are faithful to the master. They are faithful to his will and his plan. And so if we focus on just simply following Christ and allowing his spirit and fellowshipping with his spirit in the word of God and walking in the spirit, then he will bear his fruit in us and his fruit will lead us to what? Being faithful as we just simply every day, every step of the way, continue to focus on Christ and simply be stewards of these mysteries of God. That's what we teach in discipleship. That's Mm -hmm. teaching them to observe the things that I've commanded you. And they're not a mystery in the sense that they can't be understood and that you have to be really intelligent to understand them. It's just simply a mystery that it's Uh, something that is waiting to be revealed and you just have to be in the right heart attitude and and willing to receive by faith what God has to teach you in his word. Right. 
Well, I think that's I think that's great, and so it, it, we can kind of wrap it up there. But this, I, I do like, especially this first verse um, of First Corinthians four, because it makes it so abundantly clear. Um, let a man let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ, ministers being those who teach the word of God, and um, and stewards of the mysteries of God. So you know the things that you have that you know that are that are things of scripture. That's what he's referring to, the mysteries of God. Um, the things that you know, now you are a steward of those things to be a minister of Christ as well. Yeah. And that, that makes it about as about as clear as it can get. So just to do a, re, a really quick recap, we've given you a ton of scripture in this episode. Um, but just to give you a real quick recap, the first things that we looked at were to get across the point that all things are God's in the first place. And that um, you know, because he owns all things, he gets to decide what happens with all of those things. And then we moved on a little bit and we started talking about, um, what things did you receive that, that, or what do you have that you didn't first receive? In other words, not only does God own all things, but God owns my things and he owns me. And, uh, so we talked about that for a little bit and we, we went into the idea that we were bought with a price and therefore we are to glorify God in our bodies. And then we finished up with this this idea that uh, it is our job as stewards of God's uh, life, as stewards of God's things, as stewards of God's breath, of his time, um, that we are to be using all of that and good stewardship. And how does that apply to discipleship? It applies this way. We've been given certain things through the word of God, and we are now stewards of the word of God that we now possess. And so we are to take that and teach that to other people as good stewards of the word that he's given us and the ministry that he's given us. And so um, maintain those relationships, keep good relationships with people, because that is the very thing that God will use to give you opportunity to minister the word of God in the hearts and and lives of other people. And so we're going to wrap it up there. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'll give you all the information to do that. And you're more than welcome to share uh, this podcast with other people that would help them. And uh, again, we don't profit anything from this, uh, but it is a good way for us to be able to be a minister to other people. And so if this has been a blessing to you, please feel free to share it with others. Thanks so much. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order 4. On the next episode, we're going to continue our discussion about discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.